Kamenetsky Brothers Podcast, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky coming to you on Wednesday afternoon. It's the 22nd, the day after, Andy, everything has changed in El Segundo. Magic Johnson is the president of basketball operations. He got a better title, by the way, than Jim ever had. Um, president of basketball well, operations. Mitch Kupchak is out. Jim Buss is out of his job. Still owns the team. And uh, You love to point that out. Well, I mean, he's not, you know, they don't throw him out to the wolves there. Mitch fans Kupchak's don't care about get, that. All is, they care, fans do not care if he lost the piece of the team. All they care about is whether is that he's, he's going. It or that, not. Is, that is true. And um, Rob Palenka, Kobe Bryant's former agent. Uh, is, now James Harden and Eric Gordon's former right, agent. He is in. He will be the manager. new GM. So that is what's going on. Where do you want to start, Andy? You, uh, you you want to start with magic? You want to start with Rob Palinka? Let's start. Let's start with magic because ultimately, magic is the biggest story, is the story in all of this. I mean, okay, so we kind of knew this was coming. <laughs> well, I, mean, I mean, it was it was pretty obvious. Mag- magic had been pretty subtle uh, leading up to this point that were were a lot of power made available to him. He might be interested, right? And Genie essentially, I mean, he was walking around the office with a guillotine. Yeah, I mean, Magic carried it with him everywhere he went. And so it wasn't subtle. He, You, generally speaking, do not talk about being the boss when you're not the boss unless you know you're going to be the boss. Well, he was he was treating himself as the boss leading up to this point. When he was talking about, you know, sitting down with Mitch and Jim um, Monday about 48 hours ago. And apparently, the, I was listening to Ramona this morning, the, the Jim part of it never happened. Right, but when... It, the way he was describing these meetings, it wasn't so much about getting their assessment of what led up to this point and, you know, the, the rationalization beside, uh, behind certain decisions they had made as much as it was, okay, what can you say to me right. in, order to, uh, in order to convince me to keep it was you a job on interview after I eventually take right. over? So it was a job interview it was a job with somebody interview. who actually formally, at least, did not have his job yet. And so, uh, you know, th- that had happened, I thought, was, was obviously not unusual. I mean, the moment Magic came on as an owner or as, a, as an advisor, you could tell Jim was in trouble and, you know, potentially Mitch, depending on how this shook out. And then once Magic gave that quote, I believe it was the same Amick at USA Today, about wanting to run things, that was pretty much the end of it. Yes. The timing was unusual in the sense that it happened two days before the trade deadline. And, you know, I think there was some concern, which was pretty quickly set aside that, oh, my God, the Lakers have no GM and there's nobody running the ship at such an important time. The Lakers made the Lou Williams deal, which we'll get to uh, before the end of this. And I think that worked out just fine. All of this tells you in the Rob Palenka thing was happened very quickly. And, you know, you can't become a GM if you're an agent instantly. You have to. It's like, you know, Trump's cabinet nominees you have to divest from certain just not things. trump right <laughs> and so he had to you know he has to unwind his agency con you know dealings and all that kind of stuff with his clients and whatever so this was going on before yesterday they didn't just suddenly happen on play so all of these things were going on there there is an infrastructure in place to get them through the end of the week but it's still it was strange that they either did that they didn't do it two weeks ago, or that they didn't wait two more weeks. Well, it definitely is strange that they didn't do it a couple of weeks ago. I mean, you know, there had always been talk about Magic sort of being that human shield for Jeannie in order to eventually make the decision to let her brother go. And my reaction was always, she doesn't need a human shield 
this is something that's going to make most people happy. So there, there's yes. no there's no need to keep up appearances. And you know, I, I don't know if it was a if it was a matter of magic truly needing to make up make up his mind or them trying to you know create very transparently false appearances of okay we're going to do our due diligence before you know officially making up our mind even though we've actually already made up uh made up our mind that it being the week of the trade deadline notwithstanding i think it was smart to get this show on the I road agree, quicker, completely I agree. especially if you know you have like look we can still we can run the department the lou williams trade is not that no. complicated no i mean look you know, kudos to magic and whoever else was on the phone with him for getting it done it would also be, I think, incredibly. It's not dis- hard to trade. Well, I was going to say it would also be incredibly disrespectful to uh, Mitch and Jim to chalk this up as something they couldn't have pulled off. Right. I uh, mean, no, I agree with you. But let me let me. But the, but the oh, time, I'm sorry. I, mean, I was going to say that the timing of it, just right before the trade deadline, it is quite unusual, and I guess to some degree, I think justifiably alarming to blow out an entire front office, not just right before a trade deadline, but to start replacing it with a lot of people who collectively don't have this type of experience at the trade. Yeah, okay. Now, I, I, I want to get into that in, in a second, though. But let me – just to, to talking about the mechanics of magic and the gym relationship and all that kind of stuff. Does it – at the risk of being too much of a pop psychologist here, I mean, there, there was always the talk of – Jeannie would never fire her brother. It's too hard. She said yesterday on Spectrum Sportsnet that it, she probably waited too long. Like This is something that should have happened a year ago, which, by the way, we said if you're going to blow them out yes. at this point, why yes. wait? You should have yes. done it last year. Um, it's not that she's tight with Jim and firing her brother is hard. That's not the hard part. She has no relationship with her brother. She does have a relationship with her father. And this it, – it's the difficulty is – in undoing something that her father set up and that he hoped would be his legacy for all of his children. Magic, bringing magic back, gives her in some ways kind of the cover of, yes, I am deposing one of your sons, but I'm bringing in another. You know, I mean... It does. And I think that helps her get through this. I think it helps with that legacy issue. I think it helps with a lot of these things. It's not just, you know, the human shield aspect of it where, you know, the criticism and the the attention will go to magic and not her. She's somebody he cl- she clearly trusts and all that kind of stuff. She's also in a way kind of keeping that legacy alive. Well, I mean, what's I, interesting, I, I think that has something to do with I, it. I'm sure it, it I'm sure it does in some way if for no other reason than Jeannie could probably talk herself into feeling this way if it helps her orchestrate uh, this this mission of of letting her brother go. What I've always thought, though, is really interesting, though, about, you know, the the surrogate son role and surrogate father role that went on between Dr. Buss and Magic Johnson, by all accounts. I mean, they were extremely close. Oh, yeah. No, this was more made up. Dr. Buss, I think, thought of Magic as another son. But there's always there is a difference between your surrogate family or, you know, like family versus actual family. And beyond any misgivings that Magic has clearly had. With the way Jim Buss has run the Lakers, and he, you know, he took every opportunity over the last three, four years to make that public. There, there's always felt to me like a part of this was actually personal, and that that Magic had felt like he was oh, he was passed, passed over. over. I yes, mean, it was very much totally. like yes. that scene between Fredo and Michael in The Godfather Two when Michael found out found out that Fredo made that deal on the side and betrayed him, 
And Fredo says to him, you know, I'm your older brother and I was stepped over. And, He's smart, Andy. He can do things. And, you know, Michael says it's yes. the way Pop wanted it. And Magic says it ain't. I mean, Fredo yeah. says it ain't the way I wanted it. It always felt to me like Magic was like, this ain't the way I wanted it. And, there, I, no, and there's, I, that, I there's that element of it being personal, which, by the way, fits very well with her alignment with Jeannie because her issues with Jim as a, as the guy running basketball operations, they're very difficult to separate from her personal misgivings with well, Jim. Well, look. I, the, the, I mean, if for no other reason than the way Phil has always fit into this. Right. The Phil part was always a, a source of tension that I, I always felt was unfair to the rest of the family and a bad idea, and it's been proven out that it's – May not be such a good idea. Temperamentally, he's he is a a bad guy to lead a department because he's not flexible enough in his thinking. He just he can't, he Phil doesn't respond I mean, well to not the idea the of bringing the. I mean, even bringing back the idea of bringing back Phil as a coach, and they ended up bringing right, with Mike D'Antoni. Whether whether you think it was a good idea or a bad idea, there comes a point where you need to move past it. And Jeannie very clearly had a difficult time moving past Look, it for reasons that were beyond no question, beyond professional, yes, there's beyond no basketball. question that Jeannie, you know, the, the the personal issues between them have influenced this up. And that Jeannie has gotten to skate on a few things over the last few years because Jim is so disliked around Indeed. Town. There's no question. We've pointed that out a right. lot. And, you know, I think one of the biggest things that she was upset about when Jim made this timeline public was that it put her on a clock. Yes. That made you know that made her the focus of the either the the good or the bad the wrath or the praise. And in by ways the way, she, she has a right want. to be, and she has a right to be upset about right. That, that. that, it, was that was, it was ridiculous. What you know, and, and ultimately stupid, and cost Jim his job at least in part. Um, the 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 guy that they're bringing in is interesting because you know magic is there because Jeannie trusts magic, and obviously magic brings a lot to the table. I know he's never run a basketball department before, but he obviously is a person who knows the sport of basketball. And I think if you listen to the stuff he said over the grand radio tour when he was appearing anywhere and everywhere, um, he talked about the Lakers becoming a modern franchise. He talked about them being the best in terms of having you know analytics capabilities and all the other the infrastructure that goes along with it he talked about them playing a modern style of ball that they're not trying to go back to showtime and all these if you separate out what he says i in in anybody you know if a different gm was saying it somebody with more experience all of those things would be like yep that's what kind of what i want to hear the issue for me is going to come down to management style and this now, it's going to apply to Rob Palenka, too. We'll get to him in a second. But for Magic, it's who do you bring in? Do you let them do their jobs? Do you kind of delegate a la Dr. Bus, where you're in on the big decisions? You set the culture of the organization. You you know work, work with players. You use your influence where you can and all that good stuff in terms of Magic being in a room and all that. If he manages this thing basically like he's managed his businesses as a CEO-type figure, I have no reason to believe. There's no reason that Magic as president of basketball operations won't work. It's To me, it'll only get into trouble if Magic starts to do things and insist on doing things that he, the parts of the job that he doesn't know as well. I, 
meddling in those areas. I agree with you, and to be honest, I have some concerns that that may happen, just in terms of different comments that he's made. I I think it it may have been an interview with Mark Medina, uh, covers the Lakers for the LA Daily News, or it was something Medina was tweeting out that he said during, I don't know, one of the the Uh, tours. Who can tell at this point? Uh, Right. But Magic was talking about, uh, you know, the way he would be hands-on. At one point he said, can't you tell I'm a control freak? And that, to me, was a little bit alarming, particularly as somebody who would be looking to have people working under him. And this was before Rob Palenka was hired. But in th- uh, theoretically, you were going to be looking for people to look under you, uh, work under you that you are actually less qualified than, less experienced than in this, Let, in think, this particular job. I'm glad you made that clarification but, between qualifications and experience because I actually think he is qualified to do this to job. To some degree. He's not, he's also, he's, he has many he's, qualifications but that he's also talked, weigh in his favor, and experience is one thing that weighs against him. He's also talked up how he knows talent and how he knows how pieces put together. And all you need to do is take a look through uh, Magic's Twitter timeline to let you know he doesn't always. That is true. We talked about there's a, some... there is a lot of evidence that Magic has no bleeping clue uh, exactly what constitutes talent or how pieces will fit together. Or, for example, that Jimmer for debt wouldn't work out in the NBA. That was one of the guys he thought was really good. Right. Um, so, so again, sure. and by the way, everybody misses. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not. I'm not uh, saying that Magic could be detrimental to the organization because he's not perfect. I'm simply saying he's talked up a lot that he knows NBA talent when he sees it. And there is tangible evidence. And also, too, to be honest, if you've heard him as an analyst, it doesn't always sound right. I mean, it's a, like it, these intricacies. His Twitter that are feed is going to make is going to be no, but, alarming to people. Right. But I also when you've seen him, you know, on NBA countdown and things like that, there are times where the intricacies of what create a great creates a great team that he doesn't know it all, which, by the way, wouldn't necessarily be problematic if he had an infrastructure around him, I think, with a lot of tangible experience with front off, within a front right. office. And that may still happen. The GM, it though, may is... Still, but I can only GM, go, I can right. only no, go I on there. The GM in Rob Palenka is somebody who, again, has a lot of qualifications. The idea, oh, my God, you're going to have an agent be the, this no, is it's he's about the new. fifth or sixth guy now it's to do this. New. Some of them, like Lon Babby in Phoenix, fail miserably. Others, like Bob Myers in uh, in Golden State, uh, appear to, to be successful. doing very well. Um, and by the way, the, it's stuff like that in terms of the timing that the, doing it right now in the middle of the season means some of these guys who currently have jobs you can't go get. That was the you know another right. part of it that was surprising to do it. But if you think you you know Matt, you, you want Magic and you want to get going. Which is a totally defensible position. You and I both defended it, right? You don't know if you're going to end up who you're going to get, whoever. And just if you think Rob Palinka is good, and I think you know, if you want a guy in the modern NBA, no one person handles the whole game. Absolutely, not. and so you know, you are going to need people who understand the salary cap, who have relationships around the league, who know players. By the way, I would right, really, I, would say, I would really appreciate it if Magic would stop reminding us. That he doesn't know the salary cap? Yeah, please. Like, I mean, like, he, he keeps bringing up, like, analytics and the salary cap and all these things that, you know, everyone around his office needs to understand. And it becomes very clear in bringing this up all the time that he doesn't get it. Right. And what I put, what I think he will happen stop. is, and Rob, you know, Palinka understands of course the CBA, he, he understands those things. Of course he does. And in, in, in another good thing about Palinka is he actually is a basketball guy. Sure. I mean, he's been around the game forever. He played. You know, he, he was on the Fab Five teams. Yes. He had a lot of time to watch those teams play. Yes. But he's been, you know, he's been around the league. He is 
chosen clients, I think, very well over the course of, of, of his sure. time. And so he is not somebody who doesn't understand the game. Now, what I, think, what I think will <laughs> have to happen from there is now he's, you're going to have to bring in uh, you know, uh, more people. Who's, who are going to be the analytics you know, team? Who's going to be the cap guru? Mace. Who's going to be – possibly. I hope not. <laughs> but possibly. Another, if, guy. If Mace, Another guy, by the way, that doesn't understand analytics you're nearly filling, as you're much filling as he in likes for, to talk Are you up. filling in for Steve or John? Uh, I'm filling in for John tomorrow. Right, but if Steve doesn't show up, it's because he's part of the he's probably team. trying he to get himself onto the analytics team. When they fill this thing out, you know, Ryan West has been around for a little while now and understand. He's been I am, around. There's just, no reason. It would be, ni- it would it would be, be. nice if there was one prominent person under Magic who you can look at and say, "Okay, I know exactly guy's been, right. what they're about." What I. I'm, it would be nice. It would be, and it would be comforting. I don't. I will, but I don't necessarily know if it would be beneficial. It depends on who the guy is, obviously. And good experience. Right. Experience is not always good. Sometimes guys aren't very good at it. Sure. But what I will say is, I think the 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 Lakers have an opportunity to kind of do what the Dodgers did, and they have this crew now, which is Magic, Palinka, Ryan West. Joey Jesse Bus. By the way, who I both like. Yes, we like. As we both I. like. We we have been on Team Joey Bus for quite a right. while. And Jesse Bus has is very quietly yes, built up a. You know, I agree. these guys are they're putting in the work from a young age, quietly without yes. being in front of things. Yes. And so Lakers fans, no if you're concerned about more brothers, no disagreement. They're good. You can add more stuff to it. You know, it's not going to be quite like what the Dodgers did, where they went out and got uh, Andrew Friedman from Tampa Bay. I would Farhan argue it's nothing Zaidi. close to what the Dodgers But I'm saying, but, but let me finish. If, like, you go from, you know, you get Andrew Friedman in one place and Farhan Zaidi from another place, and you have your brain trust, and now you, and then they, but they've since then brought in like 17 other gen, former general managers just to fill out that department because in baseball, the infrastructure is so much bigger. Right. You don't need 18 people in, in basketball. No, you don't. But, They'll, fi- you know, if they fill this department out, they have the opportunity, I should say, to fill this department out with the best people out there, and they can afford to give them. Oh, what are you making here in in Houston? Let me give you another two hundred fifty thousand dollars and come do what you do here. They can afford to go out and get the best people everywhere, and that's the kind of thing that I think Magic will promote. And you know, so. I think experience is obviously a shortcoming for both of those guys. But they both have a lot it's of cur- other... I mean, it is currently a shortcoming for, for the entire, as it stands, sure, the entire, the entire front get, Right. But the qualification... I'm just talking about the, those two guys. The qual- I don't think they're done. And if they, this happens to be, they never make another hire, I'll, we'll do a podcast and I'll say I don't think it's a good idea. But the qualifications that both of those guys bring are strong in Magic and Rob Polinka. They have a lot of excellent qualities. And so it really, to me, again, comes down to how you run the department. who, What what kind of management style Magic has, and then what kind of management style Polinka ends up having. So we'll see. But I I don't have a problem with either one of those things. I, I don't have a problem necessarily with Magic in this position, and I don't necessarily have a problem with Polinka as general manager. I, I think... I probably am more comfortable with Palinka in his job than Magic in his. Mm-hmm. It's the overall setup thus far that gives me some pause, particularly when again, it's reasonable. Like, I mean, when Magic said, you know, once I get, you know, once I get the juice, you know, my first phone call would be to Kobe Bryant. I was like, what? 
Like that should be that should be your fifteenth phone call if you even make it. Right, the first thing you should do is try to get this Lou Williams thing. Well, no, taken the, care no. Of. The first thing you should be doing <laughs> is finding people with experience who would be good to have around you. I mean, like that Kobe knows how to win is unquestionably true on the court. It is also unquestionably irrelevant. Right, but I mean, also too. I mean, how much of that though do you really think is? Magic being like, man, we've got to get co. I don't care, but like the the future of our, or how much of that is? Do you think playing to the Laker base and I don't getting them excited see, I about? I don't want to see bringing you know having people connected to the organization. I've seen this organization play to that, play to the crowd, Fair. with that approach too much, and I've seen Magic rally around getting the band back together too often for me to automatically assume it's just that. Good news about all that. Remember Kobe's response to Stephen A. when he was on that? You know, would you ever come back to help talk about the Lakers and help him out with it? And he and his answer was, you know, I'm I'm always I'm always a phone call sure. away if you need me or whatever. That is Kobe speak for. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not coming back to the organization. Please, really, don't sure. don't call. And I'm not. Like, Kobe will come back. He'll do. I'm not saying Kobe would have camp. no use for the organization right. whatsoever. I'm just saying he should not be he, the first call. He shouldn't be your Timothy. You, he's not your Timothy Moss. Right. He should not be their 1201 call. You no, know, but he's not showing up anyway, so it doesn't matter. I mean, he'll come to camp and he'll do something right. and he'll. You know he'll you know cut a ribbon maybe but here or there. Kobe's he's not ba- showing Kobe up. Barely showed up his last three years as a right. player. Boom! Shots fired. Um, so. Honest. Yeah, you know, any any final thoughts on the the Jim and Mitch era? Era. Um, we, we, uh, we had a couple of requests on Twitter at Cam Brothers to um to do this this particular reaction show in Mitch voice. It's too soon. It's too soon, but it's, what I do think we it'll can com- do It'll come back again. I have a feeling Mitch the show will, has to go on. Which Mitch given a little bit of time and space to um let his professionalism go mm-hmm. a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, to a point where he's a li- maybe oh, more willing Mitch. to speak freely. You know, jilted Mitch. Ang- I have a Mitch. feeling he- jilted Mitch, angry Mitch. Angry, drunken, jilted Unprofessional, Mitch? angry, yeah. drunken, jilted Mitch. Renegade Mitch. Rogue Mitch. Mitch on the edge. Wouldn't shock me oh. if he appeared on this absolutely. show. Absolutely. And by we the will way. Get, we will get him first. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You might hear the other one. You know, the buttoned-up version on some show somewhere, although it, it, although probably not. I know, I, <laughs> we, we have, I guess, the last thought on just the, this transition. I mean, we, we've talked about before how no matter what decision Jeannie made, it was going to be a, a shift in dynamic where everything now puts her in focus. Yes. We keep Jim. It's on you. Get rid of Jim. It's and on you. And we have now officially entered that era, and it's it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. And obviously we both hope that this is successful moving forward. I mean, it's best for us in terms of business. It's best for me in terms of as a Laker fan, it's more fun. It's more fun for the city. I We both want this to work. It's just going to be very interesting to see just sort of how the dynamic in discussing the Lakers shifts with Jim and Mitch no longer there. It will be it'll be different. Um it had to be done though. I mean yes. it's, probably, it's like when you it's the equivalent of this. When you you know we have this conversation every year. We did it with Jeff Fisher for a little while. You know, man, is he win if he doesn't win this one, he's going to if, if you know Lane Kiffin doesn't beat UCLA this year, they have to fire. When it comes down to you know your job is one game or you know, we got to fix this one thing or if you don't get this trade right or whatever, the, the conversation is already over. And the Lakers' reputation around the league and the reputation particularly of Jim and more increasingly Mitch 
was just that, they, it, that it wasn't an organization you wanted to be part of, that it wasn't working, that the dynamic between the basketball side and the and the business side was so dysfunctional that you couldn't, an agent couldn't reliably put their client there. We can argue, people can debate, Jim would have a different opinion than Jeannie and all that. How much of that was Jim's fault versus circumstance versus whatever. But the reality is the reality. It's and, where we are. And that's where we are. And you know, and Ramona has reported and talked about it. The communication between the two sides of the building was so bad. You can't run it. Was a, non-existent. It, was, it didn't happen. Right, there was none. You can't have an organization where the basketball side and the business side don't talk to each other. And if if you want to blame Jeannie for it and say that Jim gets unfairly slammed for everything that went on, and you can justify every contract and every trade and every this and that, which would be hard. But if you wanted to try to do that, and I don't think a lot of people in LA do. It doesn't matter. Jeannie's in charge, and ultimately, she's the one who has to fix the problem. The problem is the two sides don't function together. Um, I feel bad about Mitch because he was really good at his job for a very long time. I think he was put in in a difficult circumstance to work in, and I just kind of felt bad that there wasn't. There just wasn't. There wasn't enough difficult position beyond just the Jeannie Jim dynamic. He was put in difficult position because of the Kobe. The dynamic, Kobe, yeah, no question. Which I mean, which was very much a genie decision, and the overarching, I think, you know, philosophy of the of the of the organization, which is, you know, very much an anti-rebuild kind of thing. Yes, all of that play, you know. But the only th- the thing that I just he, I wish like Mitch could have left the building in a way where more befitting of what yeah, he had done like, to the organization know, or sort of the dignity and I was all that say, kind of stuff. I mean, more specifically just, he didn't get taught, that they, you know well they more specifically say, no that they you, sent really. him out right i mean he he got the way he walks out is ultimately the way he's sent out and he was not sent out i think in a way that was particularly befitting right. of they didn't, a guy who had been with the organization since 1981 he didn't even get like this sort of perfunctory mention right. like when they did the time uh the spectrum sports Center interview jim and mitch or genie and mitch did or when magic was on our right. did i say genie and mitch i said i meant genie and magic and magic was on our air there wasn't that just sort of i want to i want to thank mitch for blah 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 yeah i mean i get the Even clean just, they did a clean switch i mean business, they, john black you know the right. long time uh vice president of, by the way it was yeah, always was great fantastic to us, to us. Uh, uh, we will actually both miss john a lot. He's he's done us but, favors you know, that he, he did not. Need he was to let do. go too, and, and to some degree, again, these are things you sort of have to do. And if you let John go, I would have thought it might have waited until the end of the year. Um, basketball management, you can make those decisions. You know, it's it's a different, but you know, but whatever. I just felt a little bad for Mitch, who's been such a classy and honorable guy. I remember we were talking last week about how one of the criticisms of, of Mitch is that he doesn't cheat right. enough. Like, he won't tamper. <laughs> and so, like, that's a criticism these days in the way the, the the league works now is the Lakers have the only GM in the league who wouldn't cheat. Yeah, I mean, and ultimately, too, I mean, at, at the end of the day, beyond beyond whatever misgivings or dissatisfaction that Genie's had, with the way Jim has done his job, and, and there are certainly valid reasons for that, I think what really, at the end of the day, truly made this untenable is I don't think she ever felt moving forward. I'm going to be comfortable in this relationship. I don't think I'm. I don't think Jim and I are ever it's going that, to have correct a you know a truly functional right. And that that's why we said you know, like it it was we you could tell that last year you could tell that right. the year before. But again, I think it just goes. It's not loyalty to Jim. It's loyalty to right. her dad that made that hard. Um, 
All right, so obviously this will keep developing, and we'll we'll have some comments, I'm sure, by next week from Rob Polinka. There'll be some sort of press conference and um, and all of that stuff. Uh, so there'll be plenty more to talk about in terms of the new Lakers and the new structure. Certainly, there are a lot of reasons I think to be optimistic. Um, Andy, you pointed out some reasons I think to be a little bit worried, but um, I, I, overall, I think this is a very positive move for the organization. It had to happen. I, I was going to say the move had to happen, and I, I think it is it is a net positive for this organization, at the very least theoretically. That they've ripped off this band aid yeah, because this this was something that was going to keep them in limbo moving forward. I mean, because even if say Jim got another year or two with the organization, unless the, Jeannie came out and gave him a full throated support, you know, full throat, we are moving forward. We and we, even then it wouldn't. It's still the but, the questions would never. There's there literally is no way for those questions. That may be true, but I'm just saying unless I'm, something the, the like scenario, that happened. But I'm saying the scenario you're even putting forward wouldn't do it. Yeah. In, you, you ha- it wasn't going to stop. Yeah. In, in the in the micro sense, we'll know exactly how positive this was, you know, when we see how it shakes out. But in the macro sense, it had, it had to happen. happen. And I, I think this, you know, there there's a lot of potential for uh, the Lakers moving forward in part. You know, I think the, the first thing that the new management team managed to do uh, trade Lou Williams yes. to the Houston Rockets for a first-round pick and Corey Brewer. Um, there was some grumbling, I guess, on Twitter yesterday, people grumbling that maybe the Lakers could have done better, and they there was something. Uh, I don't know. I mean, if you hold out, do you get Washington's pick instead of Houston's? Maybe there was some chatter about Charlotte. There was some chatter about Utah. But you don't know what's real, and you also don't know what else they might have had to take back as opposed to Corey Brewer. Maybe it's somebody with two years instead of one. Maybe – you know, their protections on the pick, and it, it's 2018 instead of 2017. The point is they got a first-round pick for Lou Williams and a player in return with a salary who that won't be hard to move if they need to move it and could theoretically rehab himself to a point where he could be traded. I mean, Corey Brewer is a guy who's been moved around the league because people find him appealing in one way or another for the past, like, eight years. Yeah, I mean, they, I think at the end of the day, they got what I thought was appropriate trade value for Lou Williams. I mean, it, we saw what, and obviously there's a, there's a ton to, to untangle from this, but you saw what the Kings got for Boogie Cousins, which was not nearly... Nothing. Is not you nearly equal Buddy to Buddy and a 15th pick. Which, I mean, again, it, some of that is the Sacramento Kings of it all and the fact that they're an absolute dysfunctional mess. But I do think it speaks to you know there being a ceiling on Lou Williams' trade value. I yes. mean, as well as Lou is playing this year, and this has, been, I think, been the best year of his career on the heels of what might have been the best year of his career leading up to this season, he is still a career bench player who, if he's not scoring does not bring a ton to the table. He's undersized and is a defensive sieve. So there, there's only so much you're going to get yeah. for him. And the Lakers have also seen, too, you know, they've learned this the hard way, whether you're talking about with, you know, putting Pau Gasol on the block for three years <laughs> or or yeah, certain right. ways they've struck out in the offseason. You can get too cute or get too demanding, and then you end up missing out on right. Do you want to sit there and and go be like, well, you know, the Houston pick looks like it could end up somewhere around 27, but if we play this right, we might get a pick that's around 20. Do you really want to play that game for another day and a half and then see something disappear where Houston gets help somewhere else? Lou Williams' trade value is never going to be better than it is at this moment. And you were never going to be able to trade him to any team other than a contending team 
that thinks they can make some noise, which means by definition you're talking about one of the six or seven best right. teams in the NBA. I, I think so they did. Ju- I think, I think they 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 did just ju- it was a I good agree. deal. Um, and that's a, and that is a good start for uh, Team Magic and this new front office. I agree. Um, I, the the last part of it you mentioned Demarcus Cousins. A lot of the reporting, and I'm not totally sold on how any of this really played out. Um, a lot of the reporting, though, was that not getting DeMarcus Cousins, given what he went for, was one of the things. That was the straw that broke right. the camel's back. Ramona has talked about it. And she said it's not so much that he didn't get him. It's that there was, again, no communication about it and you know, and all that. I would kind of put it on Magic and, and Jeannie be like, look, you guys – Here's how it's going to work. And by the way, that's something actually that has bothered me a lot during this period of lacking communication. It's often felt to me, at least, and I say this as admittedly not on the inside of all this, it's often felt to me like Jeannie was at least willing to tolerate that so it could be something she could complain about and use against Jim. Maybe. Very, it's possible. Um, I mean, I, at some point. I don't point, know how many times you've Magic got to call them too. to try to do it, and I don't know how much, you know, I, Ten, when you get into these kind of dysfunctional relationships, it tends to be both sides yes. to do it. I don't know what kind of communication Mitch and Magic had, how hard Magic was working. I don't know what the ground rules that were set up were or if it was made pretty clear. Because it was clear a week ago that Magic was going to be in charge if somebody said, this is how we need to do the, the deadline this way. But either way, um, a couple things about it. First of all, I don't think the the ask from the Kings was going for the Lakers was going to be as low as what they would have settled. For I agree. The I've heard uh, other basketball writers far more looped in than you yeah. and I. There's no, there's the no way that they could trade DeMarcus Cousins to the Lakers without getting Ingram and Russ, Russell and a pick. And you, all. you can't do that. They would have burned down. And that the Lakers, arena. Too, the Lakers too, didn't have the same expirings that new Orleans have with like a Tyreek Evans. I mean, they, in some ways, even if even if the Kings were willing to make that type of deal, and I tend to agree with you, Brian, that they wouldn't have, the Lakers didn't have a lot of the same components. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, so, but either way, so you, you have that. Um, personally, I am pleased. Look, if we could have gotten DeMarcus Tuzzins for Julius Randle in a first-round pick, obviously you do that. But generally speaking, assuming it would have cost more, I'm I'm happy that they didn't go they do it because it's not that I think DeMarcus Cousins won't thrive in another market or can't thrive in another market. I think he can. I don't think this is the one, though, because the Lakers now, I think, have a little more stability and more optimism around them, but they're still not going to be very yet. good. They're not going to be very good. And you're putting DeMarcus Cousins in a, in a media market where every tiny thing he does would be a national story. It already kind of was in Sacramento, but at least you can sort of hide in Sacramento with the Lakers. Everything, little, big, deserved, undeserved, would be a massive story, and it just seems to me to be the wrong place to put him. In, unless you're putting him on the Clippers or something, where they have a strong organizational structure and the team is already. I was going to say. I mean, it it is a big deal, and I and I have to imagine the Hornets would. I mean. Pelicans would not have done this otherwise unless they had Anthony Davis there. It is a big deal to have a player of DeMarcus Cousins equal alongside. Right. He's not he's not he's not a, a vocal leader no, or you know whatever, but, but, but he's another Anthony really Davis good player. Is a damn good player. He's a really good player. And it, it's going to be arguably one of the four or five guys in the league better than DeMarcus right. Cousins. It, it's going to help uh, it's gonna, I think going to help uh, build DeMarcus Cousins enthusiasm 
for being there. I think it's going to help them automatically be a better team than the Lakers would have been if DeMarcus showed up without having somebody of Davis's caliber there. But also, too, you, you get a bit of a, a bit of a trial balloon for DeMarcus in a different market, like you were saying, that isn't quite on the radar like yes. the Lakers. I mean, people are going to be paying a it's lot a better, of attention to this. It's a better this. organization, it's, but it's still not – you're not in the front page. And then, and then in the meantime, if the Lakers say if the only way to get DeMarcus – would have been to gut the roster like we've talked about before. That's a bad idea because, A, it's not going to make the Lakers any better. But also, too, I question, until you see tangible evidence otherwise, how much free agents are actually going to line up to play with DeMarcus Cousins. I don't think they will. Not, I mean, it's, not it's, until it's, they see evidence of him right. like, am I not walk, losing am his I temper, walking not getting into a situation. Right, exactly. Am I walking into something where right. I'm going to have to deal with this guy? I think the same thing, by the way, about Westbrook. Right. Like, I don't know if this – I mean, this triple-double thing – is fun to watch, and I, I fully support it. I think there are nights, absolutely, where Russell Westbrook hits the floor. In the back of his head, he's like, I'm going to get another triple-double tonight. And he's playing, kind of playing for it. But at and least there's tangible evidence that Russell Westbrook can get you to the playoffs. Right, but there is. Had... But, but I don't think, even with all of that, the monster numbers that he's putting up, I still don't think that helps. I agree. I, I agree. Think that makes people more excited to go play with I him. I know, but I it agree. It makes them less excited. I agree with you, but I'm saying this in spite of the fact that there's actual tangible evidence that He's Russell Westbrook can yeah. carry you into the playoffs. And I still think there could be people apprehensive about playing with him. So if that's the case, I think with DeMarcus, it's going to be a lot of, no, you go first. Right. I mean, no, look, you here's, go first. here's the deal. There are five, six truly transcendent players in the league. You know, guys who, you know, it, most of them, you know who they are when they get in the league. A few of them emerge. Paul George, Steph Curry emerged. Paul George emerged. Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard emerged. Um, you know, Gordon Hayward is coming along as, in terms yet. of, but he's not there yet. He's an all-star. But you get though. guys you get guys who become all-stars who were like, okay, they weren't that when they got in the league. You generally don't get KD. Right. You know, Steph Curry is probably the, the best example of somebody who were like, damn. Like three years, three or four years into it, you're like Steph Curry, Kawhi Leonard, James Harden. I mean, Harden was a high draft pick, but I don't think people expected him to be this. This, but is the minute he was put in a situation sure. where he was the man, he put up massive sure. numbers. The Lakers, Curry probably, and Leonard, are probably the best sure. two examples. So the Lakers don't have. Seen. I think they, I don't think they have that guy. They have a bunch of guys who I think could get to that sort of all starish kind of caliber level. You're either going to have to make a trade or you're, you're going to have to get lucky that we're wrong about one of those guys, and they really do, or maybe they keep the pick this year, whatever. But you, what you can't do is start throwing money all around at, at free agents, and, this, and that's a bad way. You can't panic and, and trade for every star. It's a bad way to do it. You just you have to kind of be patient and play the game and hope you end up in a place that's good and not like the Atlanta Hawks or whatever it was a couple years ago that won 60 games and had no realistic shot at winning a title. There's no other way around it. You know, you have to have the transcendent player and the supporting cast. Can't do it any other way. Absolutely. Um, All right, so uh, trade deadline coming up tomorrow, Thursday at 1 o'clock. Andy, you will be on the air. Uh, As it is happening, I will be on the air in the morning before it is happening. Um, with a co-host to be named later. TBD, that's right. Uh, so we'll both be on tomorrow with uh, the big trade deadline stuff coming up. And uh, obviously, if anything big happens, we'll you know do some sort of supplementary offering here. But otherwise, we'll see everybody next week. See ya.